Hey listeners, this is another episode of Unverified Accounts. I'm Chris here with Liza. What's up, Liza? Hi. And unfortunately, Philip is not here with us because Philip uh, is on a camping trip for a whole week. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, I'm, he's probably not listening to this in his tent or wherever he is, but I mean, if he is, hey, Philip. All right, so uh, Liza, before we get started, checking the news, some some again, some dumb shittery going on. Uh, so Speaking tell me of about dumb shittery, dumb Kirk is probably yeah. What the is this? Like, thing. tell me. <laughs> So, okay, so all the Trump rallies, you know, they can't have like normal convention center or stadium rallies. So what they're doing is like, I keep seeing like there was like a golf cart rally a couple weeks ago. And then there's all these boat rallies because I don't know, white people in boats just like, so in Lake Travis in Austin, there was a Trump rally and there were all these, um, there were all these like small crafts or like, I don't know, like pleasure cruise i don't know what what is the terminal i don't what is boat terminology like what are these are these yeah, like cares, boats right? or like not large craft <laughs> just smaller and they were also like you know they were dressed up like confederate soldiers on the docks and like setting off cannons which i heard they set off like 175 times in the course of in a very short amount of time and all of this activity caused the waters to get very rough and choppy so some of the boats started sinking and someone very clever on twitter um they they coined the phrase dumb kirk yeah that was a good one <laughs> i didn't know that they themselves caused the the choppy waters i thought it was just like like an act of god or something and, but they themselves because they were just so i don't know boaty uh, caused it <laughs> That's, that's pretty yeah, funny. like there's like hundreds of boats in this lake, more than there usually are, and then they're like setting off cannons. Oh, boats. I mean, I, I no, I, I like some boats. I mean, like like sailing can be no, fun. Boats, but, boats are fun. Boating yeah, can be fun. Yeah. Whenever I play something like Grand Theft Auto, I hate I hate driving the boats. Like I don't yeah. I don't know in America like um, boating culture. Obviously, if you're from someplace tropical like the Philippines, is like not at all white. <laughs> right, but right. there is something about like boating culture in America that is very conservative and very very white. Yeah, it's it's like the archetypal dumb dad's uh, goal, right, to get a boat. Uh, <laughs> yes. you know, so it's all right. Okay, so I think we have a lot to talk about with Mulan. So let, let's just dive straight into it. Uh, I just watched it last night let's let me back up real quick so chris and i got disney plus so we could watch yeah. Mulan on opening day yeah because i i have no real interest in getting disney plus uh for any other reason but yeah for for this it was it was uh, and then we like split the cost and everything so uh-huh. oh yeah it reminds me eliza uh tell me how much i owe you so that's how we watched it in case people are curious how to watch it, you can just sign up for free and then um it's not like amazon where if you rent it uh you can only just watch it once no. and then if it disappears you, if you got mulan and you have disney plus you have it forever right so you can like share it with some people because you know one person paying 30 dollars to watch it that is that is a bit steep especially if you're just going to watch it on your computer as opposed it's to the theater expe- i mean so. it's expensive for you but it's like you know for me i have three kids it's actually cheaper right right so if you can in the context if you're just like well, one person then yeah but if you mm-hmm. if you share it with people then yeah it's it's perfectly fine so uh you know we recommend watching it that way i watched it friday night yes the day it came out mm-hmm. and yeah. then i unmuted all the all the mulan stuff the next day but we'll get to all that later when i found out when i unmuted it right right so we'll, we'll talk about the merits of the movie first and then get to the broader discussion so uh liza what do you think of the movie so, okay, I thought it was good, not great. I don't think that it lives up to the magic of the original. I, I thought that, um, I, I, I didn't, I'm not like a lot of other people where they were making a really big deal of Shang missing or like the music missing. Um, I thought that the set was beautiful because I thought it looked like the set of most wuxia movies that I've seen. And I thought it was well acted because, I mean, you have all these big name veteran actors, uh, very celebrated actors. Some of these um, are, Gong Li, for example, has been my idol for as long as I can remember, ever since I saw her in Farewell My Concubine, um, uh, Raise the Red Lantern. Like she's, she's amazing in Chinese. I don't think that she is as good of an actress in English 
Understandably so, right? Yeah. yeah, these these actors are capable of so much more, and someone like Gong Li is more than capable of delivering an emotional climax. Like, uh, okay, spoiler right here. If you haven't seen this movie, I guess move on to like one of our. No, we're other gonna do spoilers. Episodes. Like, for, like we're gonna do spoilers. <laughs> like, uh, here's your warning. Um, but you know, everyone kind of knows the story anyway, so let's just go ahead. Okay, so she surprisingly sacrifices herself for Mulan, but. I don't know. I feel like I feel like that was very anticlimactic. It's like, oh, she died. <laughs> oh, she like she switched. Um, I don't know. It's like Allegiances. I didn't see that coming, but it was so fast. And I'm just going to assume that it's because of language that they're holding back with these actors. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it was a it was a good movie. Period. And and the main problem was that it kept missing these uh, emotional high points of, of yeah. the original. Mm-hmm. And that just astounded me because like, this is a, essentially a remake. Well, I think it's like half a remake. And, and that's the problem. Like half of it, they want to stay faithful. Half of it, they want to try something new and they don't make a decision either way. So it feels weird. Mm-hmm. But okay, so there were four specific points where I thought it just totally landed flat where it could have really, you know, soared. First is when, remember in the original animated one where, uh, Fazu, who who is the dad. Um, I don't know if that's his name in this one. I think he has a different name. Oh no, but he's but, the dad in every single Asian movie. Oh, you mean Time Out, the actor? No, but I mean the character. Um, oh, the in, the, char- in the animated one, when he you know goes up to accept the, the conscription scroll, uh-huh. like, you know it, it's he, he just like walks up solemnly with his crutch, and everyone just kind of like almost like bows down to him. The whole village because they have such respect for him. Because he's a like war this, hero, yeah. Yeah, but here it's just like all silent. Everyone's just like standing around, and there's there's no there's no impact to seeing the the dad go up to him. And I was like, Whoa, no, he that, just that was, stumbles. Right, and then the other uh, and and the other part is when um, remember in the original when Mulan finally uh, um, makes the arrow challenge, climbs up the the tower. I'm not yeah. the tower, the, the pole, and that's like a triumphant moment where she uses her ingenuity and everything. In this one, she just decides to use her chi and and just able to lift up the water and just walks up and then and then that's her triumph again there's no real like payoff i mean in the original it worked also because the um, i'll make a man out of you is playing in the background so obviously that does a lot of the heavy lifting Mm -hmm. but this movie again no no payoff and then um another point is remember in the original where there it's at the end of um the song a girl we're fighting for and then they stumble onto the battlefield where there's a total massacre Mm -hmm. and that's like just you know, for like a Disney animated film, probably one of the most brutal scenes besides maybe like Mufasa's death, where you just see this carnage in the in the snowy mountains. But here it just suddenly cuts to a I mean, it goes from a scene where the, the commander Tung, the Donnie Yen character, is talking to Mulan about uh, setting her up, uh, setting him up with his daughter. Then it suddenly cuts to this like mountain of uh, helmets in, in the uh, in the battlefield. And you're like, wait, what the hell? It's just like the transition is so abrupt and and the emotional weight is just non-existent. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the ending of the original where Mulan, you know, goes up to her father in the in the peach blossom garden and she like gives him all these like trinkets of honor, trying to say, you know, uh, I brought honor to the family. And without even saying anything, she just like throws him away and just hugs her. And that is so powerful. And it's quick. No words are needed and everything. But here... Uh, time uh, he goes on this like speech about being wrong and being blind and stubborn it's like it's too much you know and, and in the original they just did it so well and i think those are four prime examples of how it, this one just didn't have the, the emotional resonance of the original i think the way to the proper way to do mulan is to if you want to do live action just do a straight martial arts movie or do a straight wuxia movie with a director who's used to working in that genre or someone who is like capable of working in a genre that they're not used to like when ang lee did crouching tiger hidden dragon Mm -hmm. like if they did like a (laughs) I, i mean crouching tiger but make it mulan you know yeah or or just um i don't know maybe like um i mean itmon has more emotion than this movie does even itmon 3 and itmon 3 just borders on on uh but straight corniness but it it still (laughs) has the emotional highs just take out the mike tyson scenes and uh itmon 3 is a fine movie they already had jet lee 
who plays the most chill emperor. I've he was also ever dubbed, seen. right? I don't think that was his voice. That wasn't his voice, right? I think another actor. I was actor wondering did. about that because same like with Donnie Yen. Because Donnie Yen is like, I'm just like, doesn't he? In the beginning of the movie, when he's addressing the troops for the first time, I'm like, doesn't Donnie Yen have much more of an accent than this? So I was wondering if that was dubbed too. Okay, so they had Jason Scottley, who I haven't seen since um, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Which is, which is, I think, kind of an underrated movie. It's kind of like corny, but I, I remember seeing oh, it on TV. I love TV that movie. We watch <laughs> it like once a month. It's fun. I love the scene where he, where he beats up those uh, those white racists in the gym. Um, and then they ask good. him for lessons. Right, right. What I'm saying is like, why waste these talents? Like, we know what they're capable of. Gong Li, um, even the, the lead actress. And I mean... Just do a straight martial arts movie. You know, there is, um, we did not review it for this film because I guess, I mean, for this podcast because I just found out about it last night. But there is a 2009 Mulan Warrior Princess movie that is made, um, it's a Chinese movie. I don't know how to get it though because it's not streaming anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'd have to just buy the DVD. But I, I'm curious to see what it looks like from their end. Right, right. But when the movie was being made, there was some controversy that they eliminated Shang, you know, who, who has become like a beloved character. What Did you feel his absence? What did you, what did you think of his, I guess, replacement? Um, I don't even know his name because like all, all the side characters don't get a lot of screen time, uh, especially the her fellow you mean, troops. You mean the handsome one in the live action? Yeah, they'll That's just like call him the handsome one. He's like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I didn't... I mean, I feel like I thought about it in the beginning of the movie. I was like, there's going to be no Shang, but there's also going to be like the little dragon from the uh, the cartoon one is also not there. So it's like, just go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think your response was perfect where you, you, you just silence and I don't know because he's not really an entity in this there. one. He's just not there. I don't know. Yeah, because the thing it's that confused me movie. about... Yeah, the thing that confused me about him was... Uh, I mean, he's he's supposed to be attracted to her, but it's like, when when did that start? Was he attracted to her when he thought that I don't she know was a because man? like there are these there's these shots of him like staring at her when she yeah. was still uh, fooling everyone that she was a man, right? And like there's like I don't know, he kind of like watches her, but I'm not sure is he watching her because he sees her as like his warrior equal, so they kind of just watch each other's backs. They they know that they are like the top of their class. And the same way that you would watch someone who is your physical and mental equal, it's like, what are they doing? Can they best me? Um, wh- you know, are, where can I, I? I don't know. Just the same way that are they going to be my rival or are we going to be like friends? So I'm not sure if it's like that or if it was like longing glances. <laughs> no. That was very then, not explained. And like that where he sniffs her and it looks like they're going to yeah, kiss. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's odd. And then and then in that battle scene when she finally reveals herself and then she's like coming to them in in like with her beautiful hair in a red robe and everything. Like what what's his reaction? Is he is he like suddenly turned on? Did he kind of know all along? <laughs> like I want to know this, and I, I think the see, movie just when didn't... when she introduced herself and she used her dad's name in the line when they were all enlisting, um, I kind of thought that Donnie and him were onto her. Like they knew that she was faking, mm-hmm. that she was a girl faking as you know, as she was an imposter already. But they were just keeping quiet about it. And then later on, it was like, wait, Donnie was not fooled. I, there's like okay, so. After I unmuted Mulan from Twitter, I saw all the like hashtag boycott Mulan stuff. And then I felt very, like, very tempted to stand the movie just to spite them. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that soon enough, that, that god-awful Chicago Tribune review, which, which will, uh, you know, go more in depth. But going back to her fellow troops, I think the live action suffered from the fact that you know, just like visually speaking, uh, Mulan's uh, fellow soldiers in the animator were just really fun to look at because they, they were so cartoonish because they were cartoons. Like, like uh, what's his name? A Chien Po, the, the, the gigantic guy, the bald guy um, who's always obsessed with food. Um, there's like his analog, I think, in this movie. Cricket. But, right, I think Cricket is actually the Cricket character. I think there's another guy who just like loves food or maybe it's him, whatever. But either way, he just kind of looks like a normal guy. Same with uh, Yao, uh-huh. who's really funny to look at in the animated one because he was this r- small ball of rage. This entire 
comparison between Mulan, the original animation, and Mulan, the live action, I think that it just shows how much animation can accomplish that live action actually can't. So exactly. for example, like you can draw a character in a way that says so much about their personality. Uh-huh. And in a live action, because you're just using like normal people and they're not, they don't have like exaggerated features or costumes, they, um, or like mannerisms, you, it's, it's very difficult to like, just with one glance, you know, everything about that guy. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's why you can't try to compete with the original because, you know, for example, you can, for example, like a character like Yao, just by looking at him, oh yeah, this this guy's like some like some like Joe Pesci like character, just because he kind of looks like Chinese Joe Pesci. But and, <laughs> and just from seeing that, you know exactly what he's about. Yeah, but exactly. here with live action, you gotta like the the Yao character. He just I could not distinguish him from the rest of the soldiers because they they all wear the same stuff. They all they're like you know generally they're all guys. They all kind of look gruff, so it was hard to tell people apart. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right in that you gotta go. And I, I think I haven't seen the other Disney live actions. I think Mulan tried the most to um, go away from the original, but this is a some trap. Of out the, of- some of the remakes are actually pretty good. Like the Jungle Book uh, remake, the one that just came out just um, maybe a few years ago, maybe 20, I don't know, it's 2014, 2015 or something. That one was, that one's really good. Um, Christopher Robin is also very good, but I can't think of any others because I have no interest in watching a remake of uh, a live action remake of Cinderella or Beauty and the Beast. Right, right. But when it comes to like the huge tentpole uh, legacy projects like Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, I mean, it's the same with things like Star Wars and stuff where, yeah, like they know they can't stray too much from the original because then they'll get people angry. So they got to do this like halfway bullshit where they try something new, but then, but then it just, and, but then they got to stick to the original, which just, just reminds you how much better the original is mm-hmm. just because it is the original. You can never, you can rarely do something better than what came before. Cause I mean, at best you're just going to copy it. So they're in a trap, I think. And, and even if they try with something like Mulan to, to go away from it, they can't really go away from it uh, because that's, that's not the point of these projects. The point of these projects really is to just stir up nostalgia again. So. All right. Let's move on to the Chicago Tribune review. Okay. All right. Uh, before we go on to the Chicago Tribune review, I just want to point out one thing. There's this part where in the movie where uh, the the Rorons, who, who are like the bad guys, they use trebuchets against the the uh, Mulan's army, which irritated me because this is something we saw in the Game of Thrones in the Battle of Winterfell, where again, they use trebuchets as anti-personal weapons. Like trebuchets were not anti-personal weapons. And they were so accurate in this movie, like even more accurate than like modern day artillery, probably. Oh, it was pretty funny. that doesn't bother me though. I've, t- I've said this stuff before, like historical accuracy or like in, in like a kind of a wuxia movie, I'm like the laws of physics, they don't really matter. Yeah, but as somebody who grew up playing Age of Empires 2, just watching it, it's like, no, don't do this. <laughs> All right, okay. So let's move on to the Chicago Tribune review, which I saw yesterday. And it was just like, it's just an eye-rolling review. Um, and it's essentially uh, this writer who's Asian-American, she's she's trying to, she clearly wants to discredit this movie because she does not like Yifei Lu and what she said about the Hong Kong protests. So I would just, be okay if she came out and said hey i'm just not going to watch the movie because of my political beliefs or i'm not going to support it but she tries to make it seem as if the original animated version was somehow so different from this one at the core narrative when it really wasn't i mean this new one had a few embellishments and some you know side plots like the gong lee character and all that and some magic yeah you (laughs) like the whole review just boils down to um i don't like yifei lu and i'm going to try to justify it no, I don't like Yifei Lu, but I love the original animated version, and I need to somehow reconcile those facts. Uh, and we, we can go through the review. Uh, I'll just read through some of the choice uh, lines. So already in the second paragraph, she says this really telling thing where she says, talking about why she loved the 1998 version so much. She says, a Chinese girl follows her convictions, a very American ideal to protect her family and country, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, whoa, okay. I guess Americans <laughs> are now really. the only... <laughs> I guess according to her, Americans are, are like a unique culture where people follow her convictions. Americans Americans are the only ones that care about their country, right. right. Which is a very odd thing to say when she's accusing Yifei Lu of doing the same thing. But when Yifei Lu sticks to her convictions to protect her family and country. China, yeah. Uh, in China, now it's wrong. So it's obviously 
not really about convictions. It's really more about convictions that are pro-American. It's it's yeah, it's just a very telling thing to say. Already say uh, in the second paragraph, and then um, she goes on and on, and then later on she says. Where the 1998 film presented a bold, strong-willed young woman fighting against the tides of conformity, the contemporary tale shows her fighting to maintain existing oppressive conditions. Um, okay, so all right, let, let's look at the 1998 animated version where Mulan goes right. to serve <laughs> in the army. Narratively, they are the exact same movie, like you said. Right. It's if you're talking about the types of conformity as you know obeying imperial orders uh, social customs about you know only men being allowed to serve in the army or serving in the army period or you know caring about your family's honor both movies are exactly the same and this is what i mean when she's she's trying so desperately to like split these non-existing differences because of her political agenda and i'd be fine if she also trashed the 1998 one saying oh this is just i don't know some kind of to show some consistency yeah, like saying, oh, you know, the whole, whole story of Mulan is just like Confucian propaganda. Then, like, fine, go ahead and say that. But to say that the 1998 one was against conformity while this one is for it, it just does not make any mm, sense. Yeah, it's reaching. Right. And then, um, oh, here, here's also a very telling line. She says, it felt less like a Disney movie and more like a Chinese fantasy soap opera with cheesy sound effects and discussions of phoenixes. Which, as you said, was probably the whole they point of this. They had a talking be- dragon in the 1998 one, and they frequently broke out in song and dance. Right, right. And, and, <laughs> and the, the reason this is so telling is that she says like Chinese fantasy soap opera with, you, you can just feel the disdain Right, she, she doesn't says like that. the yuck, ugh, those yucky Chinese, why can't they be more Western? Right, right. And, and I think this is the fundamental difference between the animated one and the live action one. The animated one was a very Asian American movie. And this, I think this is most best exemplified in the Shang uh, Mulan romance. Uh-huh. I was just watching um, clips of the original animated one yesterday, and remember after uh, you know Mulan is bowed down to by by the entire court and you know and uh, in, in the you know royal city and everything, she goes to see Shang, and Shang is like trying to I guess you know be smooth, and he says, uh, uh, "You you fight good," you know he says that, and then all the YouTube comments were like, "This is the most realistic romance ever." And that's obviously from a very contemporary American perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Of like the awkward dude uh, who who has no game. Mulan coming out in this day and age is complicated because it's like on one hand, there is a there is a trend to honor people's um, cultural heritage and the countries that they came from. On the other hand, we're in a cold war with China. Yeah. So how do you satisfy both? And I think that the movie just has to pick a side. And I think that they do. For the most part, they do pick China. And that seems to be what um, is ruffling some feathers. And also, like, the um, like Asian-American liberal media elites, which we are not. That's why we're unverified. <laughs> we'll never make it to that point. Um, they Joshua Wong is, like, such a darling for these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so whatever he does, they pair it. You know, he's, he hashtags boycott Mulan because, you know, that he wants to make this, you know, if you, if you like Mulan, you like support police brutality <laughs> and like yeah. human rights abuses of uh, the CCP. And I'm like, I mean, I don't know, like, we like American war movies too. Does that mean that we support those things? No. And you're kind of reaching there. Regardless of what your stance is on the on the Hong Kong protests, I think you, like, even if you support them, I think you can still say that Joshua Wong is is a fucking twerp who does those photo ops with, you know, reprehensible motherfuckers like Marco Rubio and Mike Pompeo. So I, I so like fuck that guy. For people who don't know and they're not following, who is Joshua Wong and why is he so famous? I don't even know. I mean, I don't want to present myself as like, some kind of authority. How did he become like the face and the voice of the Hong Kong protests? Well, I think that's that's a and key also question. why is he so hated by? Um, I mean, is he just like is he pro independence? Is he is he more pro independence or is he more anti China? Like, what is the what is the uh, what, what where is the problem? Well, okay. So the, the thing is, I don't think anyone really knows why he in particular has become. Yeah. 
the face of the Why movement. Why is he like the David Hogg of this right, Yeah, he's like a perfect comparison. He's like a David Hogg type. And and I think that's why a lot of people speculate there's like CIA backing because, you know, he just came, kind of came out of nowhere, I think in like 2014. And he's mm-hmm. gotten like all this funding that nobody knows. Or people kind of know it where it comes from, from, probably from like the, you know, the NED and stuff. Also, I mean, the, the reason he pisses me off is like, I mean, it'd be one thing to just be like critical of the Chinese government, which, you know, is legit, I think, uh, in some fine. instances. But then he'll also like, for example, propagate memes that are the kind of shit you would see among like alt-right people that are just blatantly just racist against Asians. Mm. Um, like, you know, sharing pictures like bat soup, for example, during the the height of the the lockdown in, he know, did in that? America. Yeah, he would do shit like that. So mm. when you ask, is he more about anti-china or like pro like independence i I think he's more anti-china i think he's more anti-china and that's why he is so loved by uh a lot of those americans especially on the right wing um Mm -hmm. and here's the thing about the the hong kong who are all these like asian american journalists that are so anti-china and they're just like I don't know. Are these just like the assimilationist crowd where they're just like, I'm American. I'm American. Like, no, I, don't I, question my validity here. I'm Asian, but I'm also American. You know, like those kinds, the bootlickers. <laughs> I think so. I think I think quite a few have legit concerns. So I don't want to I don't want to talk shit about from? them. But I mean, it's pretty clear that that's the only perspective that's allowed in mainstream America. And if you, you know, don't toe that line you you either just won't get a job period or you'll just get like slandered or even you know deplatformed off of twitter so i mean that, that's so that's, the only place you can go is like fox news or something but no, even fox, then you fox can't news, go there no, fox news is extremely anti-china and that's that's the thing right oh, if you I go see. to a place like the kotaku in action subreddit which is like the gamergate subreddit mm-hmm. they're extremely anti-china there and they will say and, but they're also, for example, very anti-Black Lives Matter, or they'll say things like, you know, George Floyd got what he deserved because, you know, he had a prior arrest record. Yet at the same time, they'll be extremely supportive of the Hong Kong protest. So you know where this agenda is coming from. Yeah, of course and, they do. And they hate, because um, they, they essentially just want to deflect all blame from America, especially white America. So that's where it gets really complicated. I think it also like, shifts blame to them because they're just like, they came here. And I don't know, like, it just makes it seem kind of worthless coming here. But I also do think it was worthless for a lot of us to come here. But that's a different podcast. <laughs> so this is all this like boycott Mulan stuff just boils down to um, girl falls in love with and risks everything for the system that oppresses her. But they never ever have these same critiques for any war movies in- involving American or British soldiers like 1917 or Dunkirk or like Saving Private Ryan or like pro CIA movies like The Good Shepherd. All good movies, by the way, but they definitely have an agenda. Um, It's always like love of Republic or let's do it for Britain. Let's do it for America. And just like, why is the double standard? You know, why is it okay when we do it, when we are very obviously the most imperialist nation? ever and of course she loves china she's chinese you know we don't get mad when british people do this we don't get mad when dunkirk comes out we don't get mad when 1917 comes out they're british and they love their country so i i just don't i, I just don't understand the double standard here yeah and the double standard is even more fucked because not only is it okay is okay when, like, say, the Brits do it. It's even okay when Disney did it in 1998 with the with Mulan itself, because as I said, the, the story is exactly the same. She risks mm-hmm. everything to protect China, uh, but it was okay because I think uh, we were people not in have, the Cold War yet, right? And people them. have to justify their childhood love of this movie. They can't renounce it because they can't bear to renounce that. So they got to come up with this bullshit about how the new one is so different and all when it really isn't. And also, this is it's weird because like. This is not like China, the nation that she's protecting. It's the Chinese empire that that existed. I don't know when exactly takes place. I think it's like the early eighties. <laughs> I know Chinese so, imperial army was so long ago. Right, and and to and to even I'm pretty sure like the, uh, a critical debate among the Chinese communists versus you know their enemies is whether the Chinese government is even a legitimate successor to the Chinese nation. You know that that's the whole like Republic of China, aka Taiwan's argument that they're the they're the real successors, right? So to equate like this imperial, you know, very early millennia um, Chinese empire to the Chinese government, uh, communist government seems to be re- playing right into the communist government's hands to say there's a common link. So 
it, mm-hmm. it, and it just falls into this very disturbing tendency where you portray anything positive about China, and that's that's uh, being an apologist for the CCP. Which is why if you go to like uh, TikTok or or Twitter, and there's just like there's um a video of Chinese people just being happy. Man, does that piss some people off? <laughs> like there was this really cute video of these uh, school children just doing these the drills about bouncing the ball. Doing that coordination drill with the oh, basketball. It was so cute, was right? So cute. Yeah, and, and it's so cute just seeing these little little uh, kids just bouncing up and down, um, dribbling these balls like they're you know like Steph Curry at a basketball camp. But then all these people just like, oh, this is this is like fucking propaganda, or they're training to I don't know, I guess dribble the heads of good Americans in like ten or 20 years time <laughs> so it, that's that's how the how much the paranoia and and hatred goes if that's what the drill really was i like support that <laughs> um all right okay all right going down this review oh she also says like um that this live action movie was a reductive presentation of chinese culture which felt akin to walking through a chinatown novelty store so then i asked then would you have preferred the animated version which had like yeah, an Eddie Murphy had, like, dragon. A dragon. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, obviously, this is not going to be perfect. I mean, I also th- I thought the like the set design, while beautiful, felt very artificial. This is probably going to get me canceled too, but I'm going to say that like um, sometimes. I don't know, like in a movie like Mulan or something. I'm just I'm truly not that bothered by all the stereotype stuff. Like, whatever. What are you going to do? Talk about, like, what if they did do it properly? Like, did she talk about stereotypes and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Did she do that too? Uh, maybe if Crouching Tiger came out these days, who knows, right? Um, yeah. Uh, okay, all right. Then moving on, she says, uh, how are regressive views of femininity and what it mean, meant to know your place poisoned the product? Again, how is this any different from the original, which ends with an implied marriage between... Uh, Mulan and Shang so you know like she goes through like you know she tries to portray the 1998 version as this revolutionary I don't know some kind of like right but it still leaned very heavily on like traditional girl values right she she does go to the (laughs) army but she does it to uh, maintain her family's honor and you know finds her dream man at the end Themes uh, that I have no problem with. Right, right. And it's like it's, a, it's like a Disney movie, so what what do you really expect, right? Uh, so again, this this attempt to try to differentiate these two movies based purely on, on political agenda is it just you know makes no sense. Oh, here's a hilarious line. Um, she talks about the roar and or or she talks about the Gong Li character. He's like Xian Lang, this film's new antagonist. Uh, and she says how uh, the Gong Li character was loyal to fellow marginalized and powerless people. Now, I don't know if she was talking about the Rorans, who are like like the proto-Mongols. She wasn't loyal to them. She said in the beginning she would kill him in an instant. She doesn't care. Right. Or I don't know if she, or she was talking about like the, the Qi people. About? But either she's talking about the Rorans as some kind of, I guess, a powerless POC striving against Chinese privilege in, in the Chinese empire. Look <laughs> which is way. hilarious to think about. Or uh, she's talking about the, the people with the high Qi. Uh, essentially, the, the Jedi Knights of, of this movie's universe, like Mulan, like Commander Tong, the Donnie Yen character, people who have special powers, which is an odd thing to say, because I thought that the Gong Li character essentially offered her the, the Sith deal, where it's like, you and I, we'll team up and then we can we can be more powerful together and do what we want against these powerless mortal types. Again, a, a desperate attempt you to... You know what's a trope I'm, I'm noticing? It's like uh, kind of off, it's like super off topic actually. Uh, well, just say it. Um, I'm noticing that in a lot of movies where there is like an evil witch, the evil witch is like beautiful, as opposed to like the ugly evil witches of like Little Mermaid or Snow White days. Yeah, well, because I guess the ugly witch nobody will sympathize with, right? Because because a woman can't be powerful and ugly, then then nobody you know, will like her. Now we've got so. like Gong Li is a witch in this movie, and then there's like Maleficent, Angelina, yeah. mm-hmm. also beautiful. Right, yeah. Um, oh, speaking of The Little Mermaid, what a clusterfuck of a movie that will be. Is, is, could you just imagine, like, they cast... I, I When the movie was ca- first cast with... Uh, I, I forgot her name. Her name's, like, Hallie oh. Bailey, which is funny, because then people thought Halle the Berry... The black actress, right? Yeah, people thought Halle Berry had been cast as Ariel. I was like, well, Halle Berry's, uh, I'm sure, 54. talented and beautiful, but, you know... Absolutely <laughs> beautiful at 54, but hardly the right age to be cast right. as the little, the little mermaid, the youngest sister. Yeah, and then um, people were thinking about who to 
prince would be. And some people are like, ooh, let's cast Harry Styles. And like, wait a minute. So The Little Mermaid is going to be about a black girl who hates her own race, essentially. I mean, The Little Mermaid is a tale about a racial self-hatred at the end of the day. So she's going to renounce her people to to go with the white prince like this this movie is is i mean the original story is fucked in fucked up in so many ways but now you got the racial angle this is gonna they're gonna twist themselves into so many cancelable moments that it's gonna be quite funny to watch by trying to make it diverse they actually just make it worse right 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 and i think that's a problem hey, it rhymes. With <laughs> uh yeah so I'm well, that's gonna be a fun podcast when we uh when we review that movie mm-hmm. yeah looking forward to it Okay, so, and then um, then she says, even as she feared discovery, Mulan still fought to maintain the patriarchal status quo while Xian Lang fought to break it and was proud of her quest to create new spaces for people who were considered nothing. I think that's like a fair point to make, but then that's what the original Mulan did anyway. She is not trying to overthrow the the court or the emperor. Is this writer a film critic? What other movies has she reviewed? Because I'm like really curious to see how she reviews other movies I mean, um, I I quickly read her like you know other articles and just like the headline. I think she's mainly a food writer, and this is not. Then why is she writing about a movie? Well, because this is the Chicago I mean, Tribune, I guess which can. is it's culture writing at the end of the day. We talk. I mean, you and I write about whatever we feel like writing. Right, but you know the Chicago Tribune is historically a right wing paper, and I think they, they needed an Asian American to make a political point about China, uh, so they got her to somehow. That's try why to- the caption on Twitter is like um, an Asian. American writer from the Tribune weighs in. They had right. to like point out her nation or her her race. Yeah. So this this is the, the main goal of this is to knock the Chinese government, and they're trying to use this movie to do it, which makes no sense because, as I said, uh, you, you really can't be a fan of the original uh, and then also, but then criticize this one for being like conformist or regressive. It's like it's like the same story. Yeah. And then uh, later on, she says. The sentiment she conveys, uh, she being Mulan in this movie, conveys is that a progressive movement will be the death of people who participate and protecting the government is the just and right cause. Again, that's exactly what the original is all about. Her, you know, risking everything to save her family, her emperor, etc. And, you know, killing the, I guess now retrospectively, retroactively, we're, we're deeming the Hans or the Rorans as, as the oppressed minority, perhaps. I don't know. And then, um, and then in the last, she says exactly what she should have just said at the beginning and saved us all time. Which says, it is so pathetic that we have to frame everything in terms of which one is the oppressed and which one is the oppressor. Right. Uh, and then um, it says, today, I believe Mulan would be on the side of the Hong Kong protesters who also fight to have independence. <laughs> their voices She's heard. And to get that across. <laughs> I was like, just say that in the beginning. This could have been a one-sentence article uh, and save us all this time. It's also a very funny thing to say. That. I mean, that's kind of like saying, I don't know, if, if Joan of Arc were alive today, she'd support the Tories or... Uh, <laughs> if like Edward Longshanks were alive, he'd support the Scottish Independence Party. These are like very uh, famous nationalist figures. Oh, if, 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 you know. <laughs> and it's like, what are you, what are you basing that on? I mean, based on on the on the on the movie, she was again um, willing to die to protect the emperor. Not far more likely, she would probably, you know, risk her life to save the, the you know Chinese government <laughs> than you know like. A protest movement that has a large backing by by Western powers. So, it's you know it, it's clear what the agenda of this review was, and it was just funny how it it got so blatant at the end. I thought it would be a bit more subtle, but she she had to drop that at the end. So, <laughs> say her name so the audience can Google her and look for this review. Oh, oh well, uh, Grace Wong and the uh, and the uh, article is commentary Mulan remake a twisted reflection of the animated version upending a rare positive portrayal for Chinese Americans like me. And I think the critical part of that uh, headline is Chinese Americans, because the reason she liked the original was that, as I said, it was a very Asian American movie. All the main characters had, you know, American accents, unlike this one. It was, uh, it wasn't that kind of like Disney era where whether you were in say like medieval Arabia or ancient Greece, everywhere was just basically nineties America with the same, uh, contemporary yeah, like pop culture jokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Aladdin and Hercules. Um, they would have references to Nike and McDonald's and things like that. And yeah, so and and um, Mulan was kind of like that too, with, especially with Mushu and you know the Broadway type uh, songs. Um, so yeah, she she wanted an Asian American movie that promoted like liberal mainstream liberal Asian American 
values, especially with regards to foreign policy. Uh, and she didn't get it. And I mean, that's fair if she didn't like it. But then to say that makes it conformist and regressive compared to the original is, is like, makes no sense. I'm not totally against all the live action remakes just because um, some of them can be done well, like Jungle Book and Christopher Robin are very done, are very well done. Did you ever, uh, speaking of Jason Scott Lee, did you ever watch the Jungle Book with him in it? The 1994 no. version? Oh my Mm-mm. God, you got to watch I that one. I actually never saw that one. That is a great movie and it's, it's one of the most haunting movies. I have never seen him in a movie except for Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. And, and then like this one. I, I haven't seen him for like, I guess it's been, God, how long has it been? 20, 30 years since I've seen him? Yeah. But you got to watch that one because... the same, just with all that makeup where they scarred him up. Yeah. Um, his death was also very anticlimactic. Oh, I just want to say like the, the cheese stuff I thought was a bit ridiculous where, you know, it was essentially the force power and the Mulan... Because I liked in the in the original that Mulan was was she used her intelligence because it, it makes sense because she's obviously not going to be as strong as the male soldiers, but she could be smarter than them. And a lot of times she wins, whether it's, you know, retrieving the arrow or causing the avalanche being clever. is by being clever, which made sense. Um, so in this one, they, they gave her like superpowers, essentially, which is she got she kicks a lot of spears and arrows out of the air. I, I, she's got like a better left foot than Lionel Messi. And, you know, that's how she kills. Um, <laughs> That's how she my, kills Borokan. One of my sons actually pointed out that this could be like a Shaolin soccer right. movie. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Liza, I want to ask you, like, how, how did your kids uh, feel about this? I mean, they're the real audience, I'm glad right? you asked so, me, yeah. Um, because it is a kid's movie. Um, yeah, we should get some kids' opinions on it. So they did not miss Shang, but they missed the dragon. They missed the music. Um, they thought it was really boring in parts, and they would just like... I don't know. I guess they would just space out. And in the original, um, that one held their attention for a much all the way through. And uh, I don't know. I asked them which one they prefer, and they just said they like the original better. Yeah, of course. Like the original is a total classic. I think of all the Disney animated movies that has aged the best because it. Because um, I remember when it came out, it, it was like a hit, but it wasn't like a smash success. Like because I can't. I think it came right after it the wasn't, Lion King. Yeah, it's not like an Aladdin or like a Little Mermaid. Right, but I think it's held up really well just because I think it was able to get a lot of really good messages without seem, seeming forced, especially with like a lot of woke entertainment these days. And it is coming from that extremely, un, it's coming from a very un-PC era. Like I, I honestly feel like in some ways the 90s were even less politically correct than like the 40s. Oh yeah, really? Uh, that, that, that's Sometimes, an interesting thesis. yeah. Yeah, because they tried, they tried and failed, and then in like the forties, they just didn't try. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean the, the original oh, one of one of and the it's like classics. you always say, no representation is better than bad representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, when we were when we were talking earlier, you brought up like this American disrespect for animation. Right, right, and I think that's the whole reason for these live action remakes is that they they think animation's like a like a minor league. Uh, genre it's uh, yeah it's it's very like the the american idea of animation is so infantile and there are so many things that you can do with animation if you look at um either disney classics that were made during sir walt disney's era or if you look at like foreign animation films especially like um anime like ghost in the shell akira those are some complex themes um they are very intellectual. They're philosophical. Like I think that Americans, when it comes to animation, they just like they just dumb it down so much. It's like an insult to everyone's intelligence. So, well, I don't know, not everyone's intelligence. Americans are dumb, but <laughs> maybe they can't handle intellectual and philosophical mm. themes in in their in their movies. Yeah, so I, I think the the rational. I mean, ob- besides the obvious cash grab, is that these movies are great. But they're animated. Therefore, we can upgrade them into live action, which doesn't really work. Because as we talked about animation, you can get away with so much that you can't with live action because it just looks stupid if you try to I do mean, it. I mean, even in, in our in yeah, life. even our American film industry, they they um they discount animation. Like for example, that animated movies cannot be nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Right. I, I think there was a few exceptions. Did Wally? Did Wally get nominated for Best Picture? I think it might have. Okay, then I'm wrong. Delete all that. No, no, no. But you're right in that. That's why they created a separate category because they 
and then and then it's such a stupid category because like like Madagascar three can win uh, best animated because they're just like not there's not that much competition uh, during most years. But you know, Beauty and the Beast was nominated for a best picture, but that was like the first time ever it happened. I have like whenever my kids put on any of the Madagascars, I have like a headache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't envy parents We're who have to this watch again? that. Crap. Great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So some animation is crap, but that's like true of every genre. Um, but yeah, the, I think. Do you have a favorite animated Disney movie? I, I have a few. Um, I I do like Beauty and the Beast a lot. Um, I also really the original, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I also love a Cinderella mainly because I find the the mice and the cat and I love the cat Lucifer. He's just such a evil bastard, you know, the fat cat. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, and I think the music from it is underrated, and and it's this very kind of very nineteen fifties Disney that that I, I don't know i kind of dig on some level and i also really like robin hood the the one that was like during the disney dark days when they they weren't doing too well but that's always stayed with me um i, I just like you know the characters and the music from there so that's my top three uh what about you the fact that most disney but the disney formula often is like a musical i don't know I, you are like the only other person besides me that really loves musicals as much <laughs> Oh yeah, you mean you mean like, like it's Disney so musicals? It's so hard for or, me or... to get people to watch like to watch musicals if it's um, if it's not a cartoon. Oh okay. Um, anyway, um, right. So what what are some of your faves? My favorites, all I mean, except for a few, most of them are coming from that um, that classic Disney era. The stuff that Walt, you know, the stuff that Walt Disney produced himself. I'm going to say that my favorite of all is Fantasia, and I'm. The original 1940 version, which is avant-garde as fuck. Um, don't even bother with the 2000 version. I, I like so fan, the 2000 Fantasia, has some good parts. I will say that. What? I, I like some parts of the 2000. I think the Firebird Suite at the end. That's that's a really good segment. But obviously, the original is better. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no dialogue in this movie, and it's all classical music that's set to beautiful animation, and it was revolutionary because the images were created to interpret the music. So that's pretty commonplace now, but in 1940, no one had ever done that before. So Disney did it. And when they, when they showed the film, they traveled with a full orchestra and choir, which is why it was only shown 13 times uh, in the year that it was released. And some of the sequences get pretty dark, like oh, yeah, the, the, night the on one bald at the mountain. end with yeah, Night of Bald Mountain. Like that would scare the shit out of me, even like as an adult. But I can't imagine watching those that as demons, a kid. those little demons that are crawling around oh in the God. rocks. Yeah, when the devil shows up and everything. But it's it's so poignant and deeply. It just has so much emotion. Like when they make it past Bald Mountain and they get to the the Ave Maria finale. Mm-hmm. Because of the timing of its release, I've always seen it as an allegory to World War II. Like there's hope after despair and there's light after dark. And, you know, I really recommend that people watch it now because I think it's relevant today, especially. I also recommend Wait, watching... Before we go further, Liza, do you have a favorite like segment in Fantasia? Yeah. Ave, uh, Night of Bald Mountain and Ave Maria, ah, the very okay. last sequence mm-hmm, yeah. is my favorite one. And I like that. I also like, um, I know it's kind of, it's seen now as a little bit like hokey and corny, but I love Sorcerer's Apprentice with Mickey Mouse. Oh, that's a great, I remember renting Fantasia when I was like a really young kid, thinking that it was a movie about like Mickey being a Sorcerer's Apprentice, but then it starts off with, but then it switches up on you. No, but then you watch it. I, I forgot what the first segment is. But it's just music, and uh, mm-hmm. and I I think I was watching it for like twenty minutes. Like, when are they gonna get to the part with Mickey? And I think they do, and it's all just music. And I was just like, I turned it off and re- returned it. Yeah, if I remember correctly, the part after Mickey, it's the creation story, right? Uh oh, the rights, the rights of spring. No, that's later. Oh, the creation myth. Um, creation. Uh, the rights of spring is the one with like Greek mythology, with like Zeus throwing down the lightning bolts and like all the centaurs. And no, the no, that's the pastoral Cupid's... symphony by Beethoven. Oh, it's rights of spring. Is that the one with yeah, the, the dinosaurs? Yeah, the right of spring is is where where like the dinosaurs are fighting and the uh, the magmas that coming out of the depressing. earth. That's depressing. Yeah, I like and it it's like I mean the music itself. They all die. Yeah, the music itself is also not the easiest to listen to because it's like Stravinsky. But yeah, it's it's, it's very demanding of. The average audience and it explains why it was like a monstrous commercial failure when it came out because people were like what the fuck what is this i think it was mostly a commercial failure because it came out at the same time as world war like world war the u.s entered world war ii right but as you said i think it was too avant-garde 
and people were just like, we, we just want, you know, propaganda. We just want to feel happy. <laughs> uh, it's a Great Depression, World War II going on. So uh, have you ever tried watching the movie when you're doing like Eddie's like edibles or like anything? No, no, no. no. But I think that is why it got revived. I think it was like during the 60s or 70s, a lot of uh, people were dropping acid or, or smoking up and watching it. And that's how it became relevant and beloved again. And, you know, that's good. No, but that's it is fun, a masterpiece. though. I, I highly recommend anyone do that. That's like I did that in college college where we watched Fantasia on like um like pot brownies but now you can just do gummies yeah <laughs> okay so my my second my second favorite um it would be the original Bambi from 1942 it was always too depressing for me I want to give a shout out to the Chinese animator Tyrus Wong uh who did the he did all the impressionist backgrounds for the movie and it's the reason why the animation looks the way it does like if you watch it now you're just you're just going to be like, this is, this, this is like, this holds up so well for 1942. Um, and he was the first person to, he used backgrounds of the forest. Um, he focused on more detail around the center and less around the edges. So the viewers end up staring at the characters more. Uh, let's see. Big Hero 6 is also a big favorite of mine. Not from the classic era, but I still like it. Even though like, huge on emotion but it doesn't have that disney classic feel like it, you know it's not a musical it doesn't have it's any also computer of that animated so yeah yeah but i don't know i guess i like the story a lot because i don't know i guess i enjoy it uh wally is up there for me as probably one of my favorite movies of all time because it's so it's um it is surprisingly quiet for a modern movie and it is also a love letter to the golden era of Hollywood, which is one of my favorite eras of Hollywood. And I'm, you know, if you, if you watch the movie now, it's, it's those first 30 minutes are pretty much silent, which is like unheard of in modern movies and especially kids movies where everything is like boom, boom, boom. And it's so loud and there's like crashing and there's like, just, it's, it's, it's such an assault on your senses. And this one is so... It's got the pacing of an adult film. It's got the pacing of a very classic film. And this, I think that this movie can really show you what animation is capable of. And the themes of it are, uh, they're very modern, despite how, how nostalgic the movie feels. Um, let's see, the original Snow White and the Seven Dwarves from 1937 is, uh, this was Disney's first full-length feature movie. And... It pretty much is, it's the model for what every single Disney movie today looks like. Like it's, it's, it's 90 minutes. It's straight animation all the way through it. Ten, it's like a, um, it's an adaptation of a classic story, you know, Snow White and the Seven Doors. Everyone knows that one. And it has all those, it has all those um, musical sequences and you got the cute bunnies and the squirrels and the birds. Yeah, that, it's got like the little talking you. animal sidekicks. Mm -hmm. um, and I got to say, I, I really like Nightmare Before Christmas. But that's not Disney, right? Yes, it is. Really? Disney? Google it. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely a good movie too. Um, all right, so going back to Mulan, um, it'll be interesting to see the kind of civil war that has probably already started between the you know, pure media representation crowd who are, you know, standing this movie because it is, you know, like a big Asian American project uh, versus the, I guess, probably more of like the mainstream journalist class who will probably dislike it mainly. on. I mean, like, I didn't like this movie, but that was purely based on a movie, but they probably went into it uh, looking for reasons to dislike it because of their, uh, you know, need to have a political stance against the Chinese government. Because so, of their need to prove how American they are. Right. You know? And as I said, I don't want to discount all of them because I said there are legitimate gripes against China, so I'm not going to discount all of them. But there is this need, I think, among some Asian Americans to constantly prove how American they are. And their worst nightmare is like a, a rising antagonistic Asian power because it is it, it is like the, the man, geopolitical manifestation of their childhood um internal war you know between their parents pushing them towards asia uh and then you know the rest of society pu pushing them towards america so this is like their worst nightmare come true and i think that's why we see nonsensical uh, reviews like this which you know could have just plainly said i don't like the mulan narrative period because 
she's essentially it's like a pro-military i don't know pro-confucian type of story then that's fine if you want that but to you know try to justify the original as as revolutionary but the new one no i'm not buying that shit boycotting movies doesn't work i mean if you don't like the lead actress it's like if you boycott the movie it's not going to hurt her in any way all it does is it's just going to hurt their own um their own goals for more representation it doesn't it doesn't touch the the, the lead actress she will not care in any way <laughs> what they think one thing i do wonder is what what kind of Mulan would they have liked? I'm trying to think of it. I'm thinking maybe when the Mulan and, and the Gong Li character have, when Gong Li um, gives her like the Sith proposition, I guess if they- I think that they would have liked it if um, Mulan like set down her staff and decided to not defend the emperor. Or I think she teamed up with Gong Li, girl bossed it, I don't know, became like the, the birds of prey or <laughs> something of, of China. Birds and of then. Prey. Um, like literally, birds of prey. Right, because is a hawk. Maybe, maybe she could have turned Mulan <laughs> yeah, into an eagle Mulan or something. Yeah, and then Mulan would be the phoenix. <laughs> oh yeah, no, phoenix. Yeah, even better. And then they would just go around. Um, I don't know. I guess undermining the emperor and and etc. <laughs> things like that. I, I guess that's that's the Mulan they would have liked. Which that's not Mulan anymore. Right. That's exactly. It's not Mulan anymore. Okay. It's it's hilarious. Uh, w- would you recommend people watch this? Mm, hmm. I don't know. I don't know because the original exists. Yeah. I would probably still say watch the original one. I mean, if you want, like, if you don't, if you haven't already seen any of the Mulan movies, then watch the original Disney animated Mulan. And then, though I haven't seen it, maybe try and check out the 2009 Chinese Mulan Warrior Princess mm-hmm. if you can get a hold of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as I said, I don't think this is a good movie. I, I think it, I, I disagree with you on not good. I think it's good, but not great. Right. I think maybe my opinion would be better if I watched the live, other live action ones. Because I think a lot, most people have said this is the best uh, live action, or at least among the best. But, Jungle Book is. Right, right. Um, but I think it's definitely better than Aladdin, it seems, for based on what people said. Uh, I know Beauty and the Beast got a lot of love when it came out, but I think people then realized, hey, this is like a shot for shot remake. Um, so maybe I'll I mean, get around to that, watching is those. Is that like a problem though to do a live action like shot by shot remake? Like, does it have to be different? Um, I guess I it depends. The whole point was that it's the same movie, but it's live action. Right. People don't know what they like, want. I didn't I know think. we're supposed to change the movie because these are like classic stories anyway. You know, like they're based on fairy tales and fables or like cultural. Like Mulan is like an actual like famous story in China, right? Yeah. Fa Mulan. People don't really know what they want. Like, do do you, like Beauty and the Beast? Do you want a a remake? Do you do you want like a, a version that's like more like a Jean Cocteau version? Yeah. Did they? So when okay, when Beauty and the Beast came out and um, people like loved it, was there any talk about like Stockholm syndrome and any of that? Probably. Um, there was there. I paid no attention because I had no interest. In, I didn't. I don't even like the original one to be honest. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you do. I, I'm sure they tried to make Belle more less like a Stockholm Syndrome well, version Emma is, with this no, one? I mean, the actress is like, isn't she like the poster child of like white feminism? Exactly. That's probably why uh, I'm sure she wouldn't have stood for it if it was m- more. I'm sure they added a few more songs which showed that she was more, had more agency and, and whatever. But I, I haven't seen it. I should probably get around to seeing it eventually. But the but end I is still know. the same where she ends up with the beast, right? Right. I always find it hilarious how uh, people, uh, especially like girls and women, were so disappointed when he turns into the so-called handsome prince. Like, no, we like the beast better. <laughs> I thought that was. <laughs> and they're like, oh who yeah, plays, the beast was hotter. Who plays human beast? <laughs> no, I don't know. But I, I'm talking about the animated version, uh, where you know we we became so attached to the to the bison like beast that even mm-hmm. when he turned into the the handsome prince, we we wanted the beast back. <laughs> I think that my distaste for Beauty and the Beast honestly comes from uh, before I'd ever seen the movie. I was in my early 20s and one of my friends got married like right after college and she had a um, like a Beauty and the Beast themed bridal shower and uh, wedding. I can, see, I can see how that would turn you and off. And I was so turned off by the whole thing. Uh, did she wear like the <laughs> yellow dress that Belle wears to the... For the bridal shower. Oh man! Yeah. All of us had to wear them for as like bridesmaids. Uh, 
It is like it was the first of many times I said no to being a bridesmaid. <laughs> <laughs> Call me selfish, but I just wasn't going to do it. <laughs> All right. So I think our verdict is, yeah, this movie, you know, average-ish at best, uh, maybe a bit above average, but, uh, the, you know, the thing that... I would that, give it like, I would give it like a B minus. Yeah, I, th- I think B minus-ish. What is the lowest, okay, so to, if you're judging like on Rotten Tomatoes, what is the lowest percentage that you will accept to, before you decide like, I am... I guess I'll watch this movie. Well, I also like to hate watch, so that's uh, that throws so a wrench in So you'll watch something it. that has like twenty one percent or something. Oh, for sure, just to see what it's like. But if I'm like genuinely trying to watch a good movie, I would go as low as maybe sixty five ish percent. I think I think once you get below that, you're getting into universal. So sixty five is the cutoff for you. Yeah, I think around sixty five ish. Yeah. What does Milan have for um, Rotten Tomatoes right now? It has a 56% audience score and a 79% on the tomato meter. I see. I'm sure that audience score is deflated by, uh, you know, a mix of the bootlickers. Asian Americans, gamer gators, um, mm-hmm. you know, liberals, right wingers, like a whole motley crew of people. But yeah, last time I checked, it was 81%. It seems like it's kind of in that high 70s, uh, low 80s, you know, kind of like a B, B minus territory. So that it seems like, right, our, our internal gauge. All right, I, I think we've said everything we wanted to say about Mulan. Do you have any other thoughts that you want to get no, across? Done. Yeah. No. All right, uh, so thanks for listening to our episode on Mulan. We hope you enjoyed it, and then we'll be back next week with another episode. So until then, goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.